Hello everyone and welcome back to Quick Save here on KRU UMKC Student Radio Station. As always, I am your host, Brent Landreth. This is the show about news in the gaming industry and, of course, impressions of some games that I've been playing. Uh, hello, hi. So, I kind of want to follow up on some stuff that I talked about last week and mainly it is Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight is a game that, you know, came to the Switch. I bought it on sale. And I've been messing around with that. Um, I made the horrible mistake of trying to play that game outside. I, I'll, I'll get to a reason why here. Um, I beat the I beat the first boss. It was great. It was pretty challenging. I did it on my first try. I felt really good about that. Uh, felt like I was definitely getting accustomed to the controls. And then I collected the money that you got from the first boss, and I'm like, all right, this is feeling great. I was uh, advancing, you know, and then I kind of like see this like little new path over there, and I'm like, oh, hey, you know what, let's go and check that out. Uh, I can, you know, quickly head back to the town square and buy some upgrades whenever I need it. So it turns out that was a huge mistake because I ended up, uh, I got a new move. Um, you use your, you get like this soul energy thing that you can basically shoot out of you um, as a projectile. That's the new move I got, but also... You use it to regain health. It's kind of like your energy meter. And so, yeah, I got this new thing to shoot it out of me. But unfortunately, I was uh, now stuck in this area. Because this uh, this NPC is like, hey, you need to go take down this boss. I'm, I'm not going to let you out until you do that. And I'm like, okay. And th what that game does is whenever you die, you lose all of your money. But you can go get it back. You have to go beat your soul. Like, you'll see, like, your soul there and you have to you have to beat him and you'll get all your money back and stuff so i ended up dying once i got my money back i'm like all right i need to really get through this i died again but the problem comes with uh i was playing it outside which if you haven't seen hollow knight that game the atmosphere and the color palette is very dark it's very uh you know it's not bright and all that like i had my brightness turn all the way up and despite that I could barely see this one enemy that was coming towards me, and I kept on dying to it. It was uh, this new enemy type. It rolls along the ground, and let me tell you, it is not fun not being able to see him unless you really concentrate and then dying, and then you go to fight your ghost, and then you accidentally take the wrong path again because you can't see all that well, and then you die again and just lose a whole bunch of money. So yeah, that kind of killed my drive of wanting to play that game. It's pretty unfortunate. I'm going to be taking an extended hiatus from it. I respect the hell out of that game for some of its gameplay decisions, like and how you have to go find this guy to buy your map and everything. I don't know. It's it, mm, I don't know if I would end up liking it completely. Oh, well, we'll see by the time. I don't know. Maybe in a few weeks I'll give it another stab at it, but now I've just kind of killed my drive of wanting to play it yeah so uh hi if you're just joining us this is quick save here on kru umkc student radio station and i decided to dive into a game that i i've owned it for over a year but i ended up not touching it uh for reasons that i actually talked about in an earlier episode it's ease 8 the lacrimosa of donna it is uh, the big reason why I didn't end up touching that game is because the localization was really bad, and I was kind of waiting for a re-localization patch or the PC version to come out and then fans to mod in a better translation. 
uh, so I could actually understand what the hell's going on. But luckily, hey, they added that at the beginning of the year, and I kind of have gotten sidetracked with a bunch of stuff. Uh, I actually haven't been playing too much this year. I just kind of end up getting sidetracked at the beginning of the year. Um, so I, yeah, I've dived, uh, dove, what, what am I trying to say here? I dove right into it, basically. I'm trying to mash two senses in one. Um, I wish I would have started it sooner. It is a fantastic action game. Uh, so basically the basic setup is you play as, uh, this guy, his name is Adol. I, from what I understand, he is the main character of every single East game, except for... Uh, East Origins, yeah, 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 that one, and, you know, like, he's been kind of the main character ever since, and from what I understand, every single story ends up with him getting shipwrecked on a new island at the very beginning, and he kind of has to go on a journey and kind of, you know, go from there, so it kind of starts off, he's on this, uh, this boat that is called the Lombardia, and that sounds like it makes a bunch of sense, Lombardia, and, you know, like, it, uh, you know, it's like a pretty good, it's an incredibly nice ship, and they're kind of going along and everything. Uh, but then, um, there's a kind of like this mystical isle, it's the Isle of Siren, or Siren, Siren, I, Siren sounds right, I also believe that's how you pronounce that word. And so, like, oh, this, this legendary Isle of Siren, every ship that's gone near it has crashed, and... They end up getting a little too close to it, and uh, this these very large tentacles from something probably that is like a kraken uh, grabs the ship and causes it to shipwreck, and Adol kind of wakes up on this new island, and he ends up finding some people. Uh, he finds uh, this woman. Her name is Luxia. Um, she seems to be an affluent woman. She's from like a more rich or noble family. Uh, finds the ship's captain. Uh, finds his best friend, Dogie. And it's like, all right, we're going to try to make this base here on this island. And that's about where I am. I beat the first chapter. Uh, he's having a dream of some mysterious girl. Uh, but with, from what I understand, kind of what I've, I've absorbed looking at stuff about the game, uh, she was um, someone who was important in the past of this island, in this society that used to exist on this island. So I'm really curious to see kind of uh, where, where that ends up going. I've only beaten Chapter 1. Uh, the action gameplay, though, is absolutely fantastic. It's really good. So uh, you have a basic, you have one attack button. Uh, to describe the layout of the controller, I flip-flopped the jump and attack button. So attack is on circle, jump is on X. You switch out characters with square because uh, you can have up to three people in your party. I think you end up getting a total of six, and uh, people can do different types of damage. So, like Adol, his sword is a, a slash type damage. Uh, Luxia, her rapier is a pierce, and then we end up meeting another guy. His name is Sahad, and his he is like this big blunt object, and his is like a smash. And basically, you have to kind of like look at what kind of enemies you're dealing with. Um, generally, like normal enemies, you can take down with a slash. Flying enemies, you want to use a pierce, and enemies that are armored, you want to use a more blunt object. And uh, changing is very instantaneous, like quite literally, they just like swap the character out, so you can like swap mid-combo. And there's this really nice dodge roll, if you dodge roll at the last second, you'll get a flash step, which uh, basically just 
I think it slows down the enemy a bit and gives you a buff. Kind of get back in there. And then there's a flash guard. I've done it once. It is very tricky to time. But uh, you press R1 at the right moment and he will do a flash guard. And then all of your attacks become critical for a short period of time. It completely refills up your SP meter and all that. Uh, you can set skills to where you hold down R1, press one of the face buttons, and you'll do a skill. Uh, Adol has a pretty basic kind of... Um, uh, he has like this sword slash he does kind of all around him. Uh, Luxia, she does like a quick multiple stabs. Um, and Sahad, he has one where he does this huge spin around him. Uh, and, you know, it seems all pretty simple. Then you would do those in order to build up your EX arts, which is basically just a big special move that you can do. And, yeah, just combat feels so fluid and fast. It's really just a ton of fun. And, yeah, I'm really impressed with the game so far. Like, it's not a looker by any means. Like, it, it definitely, like, looks a bit more low budget, but I believe it more than makes up for it in its music uh, its presentation, its gameplay, uh, the story seems really interesting so far, and, uh, I don't think I can inf emphasize enough, the music for that game is pretty incredible. Overall, a really fun game, I'm, uh, I'm glad I actually ended up picking it up, despite me owning it for the last almost year, yeah, it came out in September, like, late September last year, so... Yeah, you know, like I said, a ton of fun. And, you know, we're going to go to our first break here on Quick Save. And, you know, hey, I praise that music, so let's go ahead and listen to some music from East 8. Uh, more specifically, we are going to listen to uh, the first boss theme that is called Deadly Temptation, and also the game's main theme, which is called Lacrimosa of Donna. So, hey, we will see you in a little while.
Hello, welcome back. This is Quick Save here on UMKC Student Radio Station KRU. I am your host, Brent Landreth. What you just heard was Deadly Temptation and the main theme from East State, The Lacrimosa of Dana, a game that I have just very recently got into, like just a few hours before I started this pod, uh, I started up this uh, show today. I played it for a bit and it seems really great. It is going to be one of those games that I think is going to keep me entertained until the uh, Xenoblade 2 DLC comes out, which is the thing I'm, as of right now, most looking forward to. Yeah, so uh, kind of get on to another game impression that I have is uh, in relation to... Um, I t- okay, so let me... Uh, let me roll this back a little bit. So a few weeks ago, I talk about um, me hacking my Vita and, and, all, and all this other stuff and kind of being able to like uh, kind of this new interest I have for the Vita and all this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll go ahead and play something on here. And I was, you know, looking at some stuff. And one of the games that I was getting recommended by uh, a couple of my friends, they've kind of mentioned it to me because of, you know, like I like games that are very narrative heavy and kind of deal with like, you know, some serious themes. And I'm totally okay if, you know, uh, traditional video game gameplay is kind of a secondary thing. Like I'm totally cool with that. Uh, so they recommended me this series. It uh, got localized by Atlas USA last year. Yes. In 2017. And, uh, um, so the sequels did, um, they are called, all right, so this is kind of a complicated name, Utewara Rumono, uh, it's like this old, like, Japanese strategy RPG series, and, uh, you know, these were always really recommended to me, and I'm like, okay, well, um, I know that they were sequels, and the original game was this, oh, it's like a mid-2000s PC game, you know what, let me look up the exact year, um, yeah, let's see. Oh, 2002. It was an early PC game. Um, yeah, uh, so the first game has it's this early PC game. From what I understand, there was also a TV show adaptation of it. Um, came out in 2002 uh, because it was never officially released in English. There is a fan translation that came out. Um, so I guess, uh, yeah, if anyone is interested in this, um, just as a warning, because it is this mid, you know, this early 2000s Japanese PC game, you kind of have to do some weird stuff to get it to run. Um, with me, uh, you might have to change your computer's app locale. Uh, I've read some people have to do this. Uh, basically, what your app locale is, it basically determines what language your installed applications run in. Uh, you have to flip it over from American to Japanese, but uh, I think Windows 10 has an update or like this new feature in it to where you don't have to do that anymore. Um, also, be sure that if you're going to install any other programs after you kind of mess around with this to flip your app locale back over. On my old computer, I accidentally had my printer software installed in Japanese and it was kind of annoying when I wanted to scan something. Uh, you have to do that, and then also you need a tool um, like Daemon Tools to mount a virtual disk image, uh, to mount a disk image onto one of your virtual drives. Uh, if that's really confusing, you can look up Daemon Tools and everything. It's honestly not that bad. Basically, 
you know how you have like a CD or a DVD disc that has like an application on it, right? Basically, it just, it is basically that, but it's not physical. It's just a file on your computer. And so obviously you can't stick a file into your physical drive, so you have to have a digital drive. Uh, there are plenty of tools that let you do stuff like that. Uh, anyway, enough technical talk. Uh, the game itself is pretty alright. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. I'm liking it so far. Uh, this guy, he wakes up in this... In this strange land. He's like all beaten up and everything. And he has this mask that is attached to his face. That he can't take off. And he gets rescued by some people who live in this kind of small farming village. And so... And it kind of goes on from there. Like, it's really hard to talk about it without spoiling it. So I'm going to have to get into it a little bit. But, um... The country that they live in is ruled by this very greedy king... Uh, greedy emperor, excuse me, and, you know, uh, basically doesn't think highly of the small people, and it eventually leads to uh, the main character, this guy that woke up in this strange world, um, to get together with the townspeople and basically have an uprising and kind of usurp the throne and uh, kind of uh, take the country back for themselves. And yeah, you know, they end up doing that, and this causes political strife with other neighboring countries who um, kind of also want that territory and end up causing a bunch of conflict with him. Uh, it's it's really interesting. It's a lot more political than I thought that it was going to be. Uh, the main character, he's really interesting because uh, there's like this constant thing where it's like, well, what is this guy's past? Because he seems to know a lot of stuff. Like he knows farming techniques that the farmers aren't really familiar with and he knows how to forge iron, which no one really knows because it's a kind of like a closely kept secret and kind of stuff like that. And there's like a moment that I just got to where his identity is put into question where people, um, uh, someone kind of accuses him of being someone that they knew, this very greedy murderer, and it kind of throws that conflict into it. Uh, it's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I'm liking all of the characters with it. Uh, so I'm probably going to end up really liking uh, the two sequels that are on Vita and PS4. Which, I was looking it up, but I cannot... Uh, I don't know if the... Uh, I don't know if the Vita and PS4 versions have cross-save support. If they do, that'd be pretty cool, but oh well. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm really impressed with it so far. Uh, I will guess I'll continue to update with it. Uh, the game, so it is mainly story. Uh, it is uh, belongs in kind of the, t uh, the genre of a visual novel, so it's a lot of text. There's like some voice acting, and it's just a lot of reading, but then sometimes you have strategy RPG gameplay, and it's all right for what it is. It's not super in-depth like you would get in a Fire Emblem or a Valkyria Chronicles, but... Uh, it's serviceable enough. You level up one of four stats for every character. It's like a, a tech, attack, magic defense, and defense. And yeah, like it's the, the strategy RPG gameplay is alright. I haven't run into too many issues with it. Uh, there was a mission that I did, though, however, where... It felt like the AI was really ganging up on my characters, which is always kind of annoying to do. And, 
yeah, it's, I don't know, maybe I should focus on leveling up their attack more, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I might try to do that with the rest. I'm nearing the end. I want to say I'm at the two-thirds point of it. I looked at a strategy guide, and I have, like, nine fights left, which, like, there's not a lot of fights in the first place. I want to say there's definitely less than 30. It's in the, it's in the 20s, probably, which is about the same, for what I understand, of the uh, PS4 and Vita sequels. Oop. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, this, it's a ton of fun. I prob I'll probably end up finishing it and moving on to the sequels at some point. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, Utawa Rumono. And, hey, you know, uh, this has been Quick Save here on KRU UMKC Student Radio Station. We're going to take another break here. We're going to take another one. Um, and for, uh, uh, for over the break, we're going to play... Um, Manufacture conveyor bait conve conveyor belt, excuse me, for killers and swindler Shanghai mood from the PS2 game Shadow Hearts. Been thinking a lot about Shadow Hearts 2 because I haven't beaten that game yet and it's just kind of been sitting in my backlog for a while. I'll end up getting to it at some point, but hey, you know, we'll see then.
Hello everyone and welcome back to KRU, UMKC student radio station. I, I am Brent Landeth, your host of Quick Save, all about news in the gaming industry and impressions. What you just heard was a conveyor belt for killers in Swindler Shanghai Mood from Shadow Hearts, a PS2 game who I've been thinking about that game's sequel because I have not beaten it yet. And also how I kind of wish there was an HD collection of them. Kind of criminal that there's not, but oh well, there's not, nothing much you can do about that. Uh, so, some more news coming out right now. Um, uh, the first one being is that Cyberpunk 2077 had a huge gameplay reveal at Gamescom. It is a 48-minute gameplay reveal. Wait, is this actually the gameplay reveal? Okay, I clicked on like a weird trailer and... Okay. Uh, so yeah, you can look at that. Yeah, you can look that up. Um, they are they make it very clear. This is a work in progress. You know, it doesn't represent the final look of the game. Uh, CD Projekt Red got into some hot water with The Witcher Three because many fans um, pointed out the uh, very obvious downgrading of the graphics from the original trailers to the final game. Which like that game still looks gorgeous, but. Whatever, like, so they have, like, a watermark at the top, and the announcer is always saying, hey, this is a work in progress, just to let you know. Uh, so basically, they kind of talk a little bit about the character customization system. How there is... Oh, nope, they're gonna... Nope, nope. Sorry, hold on. There we go. I have the footage up right here, so I can kind of really get accurate looks at this. Uh, character customization, pick between a male and a female character, some stats, some stats include strength, constitution, intelligence, reflexes, tech, and cool. Don't know exactly what all that stuff is going to do. Probably more will be revealed later. And it opens up on this mission. Uh, you're playing as, uh, they decide to play as a female character who goes by V, and then her partner Jackie, uh, him and her are uh, they're sent on this mission to track down a woman who her, uh, her, uh, what do you want to call it? Like kind of tracking chip has gone offline. Uh, they track her down, down to this abandoned apartment and find some scavengers, basically people who kidnapped her so they could, uh, rip out all of her augments from her and sell in the black market. Uh, so, you know, they go through this. It's like a shootout. Uh, it is obviously a first-person shooter game. Uh, you know, you're seeing everything from the first-person perspective. It looks very sharp, very great. It, lots of good environmental detail and all that. The shooting looks fine. There's a part where they take a drug that basically allows them to slide and slow down time so they can kind of get some better shots in. Uh, but they end up finding the girl. She's in a bathtub full of ice. You know, kind of like those old stories where it's like a, um, how in like really bad parts of like a city in like a different country, they'll like knock you out, cut out your kidney, and like put you in a bathtub full of ice. But they find her. They take out a virus chip that was in her. Those preventing the tracking. And you kind of get introduced to one of the mechanics of this world called Trauma Team, which is basically 
Uh, it's basically a medical service that you pay for, and she had the what is known as the platinum surface and base uh, service. Basically, the more that you pay, uh, the better treatment that you get. So she had the platinum one, which is like the best one. So here comes the trauma team. They get out of their, I guess you would call it an ambulance with guns, you know, trying to make sure that she's safe because of how much money she pays. And uh, you put the her body down on the uh, stretcher. You know, like they're pointing like their guns at you, telling you like to step back and everything. Do that, and then it goes off. And then uh, they show off another mission in the game. And before that, they're kind of showing a bit of the open world. And uh, like I said, it is a work in progress, but it looks very impressive. There's tons of NPCs on screen. It feels like a well-realized city. It's incredibly impressive. Uh, but then you get to do this other mission where this uh, kind of gangster-like guy named Dexter Deshawn uh, needs you to retrieve a spider bot that these uh, that uh, these people stole. You know, and so you have a bunch of different options of what you could do. And what they decide to go through is they're like, "Hey, we're going to call this military kind of like corporation person who." You know, like they have beef with uh, with with the uh, the thugs that you're trying to get them get the robot back from, and so you kind of talk with her and be like, "Hey, we, I can set up a deal. I know where these guys are. I can lead you to them if you give me the money to buy this robot." And yeah, you end up meeting up with her, and like uh, on the way there, you see, end up seeing some of the driving gameplay, which. Uh, looks pretty impressive. It looks better from the third-person perspective than the first-person perspective, obviously. Driving in first-person always looks super weird. So you meet up with her, and it's uh, they kind of trick you a little bit. Like, her guards basically pin you to the truck with a gun and insert a cable uh, that... Because it's almost like everyone has a cable coming out of their wrist that they can, like, kind of... Uh, jack into one of your ports and basically it's like a makeshift lie detector test and then they, they end up finding out that you're not with the gang and so you can go uh, they give you the money to go buy this robot so you can lead them to them so you go to this place and it's this gang that is like so obsessed with augments and all of that that uh, they've like completely augmented their bodies to hell and back like they don't even look human anymore but you go there, you end up buying the robot, you know, this heavily fortified place, and uh, the credits chip that the military woman ended up giving you, and it had a virus in it, which basically overran their whole mainframe, and it's a shootout to get out of there. Uh, they showed off some weapons. One was like this energy shotgun. It looked pretty cool. The other was this uh, gun with hom uh, homing bullets. It's like, all right, that's pretty cool. They called it a smart gun. And you're basically kind of shooting your way out of there. Then they show off the hacking minigame. Where basically you hack into the mainframe of uh, the building that you're in. Which every single enemy is connected to. And they they activate something called quick hacks. Basically so they can kind of hack stuff uh, by essentially by looking at it. And uh, they hack the guns of the enemies to have them jam. And, uh, and then they activate some like uh, some special augments that it's like, hey, this is in-game stuff. We just want to show it off. 
basically blades come out of the character's arms, kind of like a mantis, and she's hanging off the wall, snaps a guy's neck, and the other guy's trying to shoot her, but his gun is now jammed, and quickly kill him. And you've got... Then there's, like, a boss battle and everything, but because she hacked it, like, she knows, like, the boss's weakness. Uses the homing gun. That's done and over with. They get out of there. And the, the narrator kind of talks about it. It's like, oh, you know, there's many different paths to that. You could have bought the robot yourself. You could have gone in guns blazing. There's a tons of different paths. And it looked great. It looked fantastic. You know, I'm super impressed with that. Uh, who knows when that game is coming out, right? Apparently, the game is now playable from start to finish. Uh, don't know exactly what that means. You know, they probably have to do more voice work, probably more QA stuff, probably have to add in, like, mission stuff. But it's great to see that game coming along so far, and I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, that huge cyberpunk thing, that was a uh, that was pretty long. So let's take another break here on Quick Save on KRU UMKC Student Radio Station. Uh, over the break, we're going to be playing Two Dragons from Yakuza 0. Because Yakuza Kiwami 2 just recently released. Unfortunately, I haven't played it yet because I need to beat Kiwami 1. I had to cancel my pre-order, so... Oh, well. Well, hey, here's two dragons. See you then.
Hello everyone and welcome back to Quick Save here on UMKC's student radio station. I am your host, Brent Landreth. You just heard two dragons from Yakuza 0. Uh, Yaku- like I said before the break, Yakuza Kiwami 2 is out and I wish I could have bought it. I need to beat, uh, what do you call it? I need to beat, uh, Yakuza Kiwami 1 before I do that. But Yakuza 0, fantastic game, really great. So we got some more news coming out here. Um, unfortunately, if you are listening to this, then it has already happened, but um, uh, The Last Remnant, a Square Enix game, is being unlisted or delisted from PC on September 4th, 2017. It's really unfortunate that this is happening. Uh, we don't know exactly why. Um, people are speculating that, hey, because you know this is like a 2009 game. Uh, they're speculating that, oh, this is probably because like they lost the rights to Unreal Engine 3, maybe? I personally haven't played it. I did end up buying it because of this, because I want to make sure I, you know, I can still play it. Um, apparently, this is the best version, and some people have said that it's actually not a bad game. It's actually kind of cool. So, I don't know. I kind of picked it up and wanted to kind of look at it at some point. Um, yeah, it's really unfortunate that that is happening, and I think that is another case for, uh, um, another case for game preservation and stuff like that. It's, it's really unfortunate, uh, unfortunate that this happened. Uh, kind of next news story is The World Ends With You Final Remix won't support the Switch Pro Controller. This is something that is very unfortunate to me because uh, if you couldn't tell over the last few weeks, I'm kind of I was excited for this game. Uh, I've tried playing the DS, the original Nintendo DS, and the cell phone versions, and I cannot for the life of me get into it. I'm just I do not like the touch controls. I don't think it feels precise or all that responsive. And unfortunately, there is no traditional control scheme for uh, the Roll Ends With You Final Remix. It's super unfortunate, and I canceled my pre-order for it. I was really excited, and just uh, that was kind of the final nail in the coffin, you know. And there are some people who are like, yo, well, you know, the, the game controls just fine. And I'm like, well, not for me it doesn't. I don't, I don't like the feel, you know. And the only control schemes you're going to get are either touchscreen you know, using the touchscreen or using a Joy-Con pointer on the screen. I mean, I was just, I don't know, I was just hoping that, you know, like there would be a more traditional control scheme for it. So unfortunately, it doesn't look like I'll be getting into it unless maybe it gets severely discounted at some point in the future. Because from what I've seen, it is a full-on $60 game, and I'm not gonna pay that much for it sorry oh well it's unfortunate but you know you kind of learn to live with it uh kind of coming up next is it's this talking point um kind of an editorial from nintendo life uh the talking point is it is september and we still do not know enough about nintendo online and it's true you know for this service it's supposed to be launching in the second half of this month, I don't know what this is going to be. No one does. So uh, Damian McFerrin over on Nintendo Life is kind of talking about it a bit. He says, uh, we're now firmly in caught... Okay, wait, what is this word? I've never read this before. 
ensconed. Okay, we are now firmly ensconed in the month of September, which, as Nintendo has gone to great lengths to tell us, is when its long-awaiting Switch Online service will finally be launching. A whopping 19 months after the arrival of the console itself, even for the most dedicated Nintendo fans, the wait is borderline laughable. But what's even more disconcerting is that we currently know precious little about how the service will work, exactly what games we'll get to play in, in the months following launch, and what benefits outside of cloud storage for saves we'll get, uh, we'll get for our hard-earned cash. And it is very true. You know, it's like cloud saves, I think, has been one of the most requested features for the Nintendo Switch because uh, I have known people that have just completely lost game saves because of, you know, like they, you know, like uh, they've completely lost game saves because like their Switch gets corrupted and, you know, they don't have anywhere to back them up because for some reason you can't back them up onto a flash drive, which you should totally be able to, by the way. And, you know, uh, it's, yeah, save data is bounded on a hardware level rather than an account level. You lose your Switch, hey, you've basically lost everything. And then there's, oh man, all of those lovely Nintendo Entertainment System games that have online play. And it's like, kind of, who cares? These are the same 20 Nintendo Entertainment System games you guys have put out again and again and again. And it's like, it's kind of getting annoying really it's like we just really want a, su a successor to the virtual console just let us buy these old games for a reasonable price i think that it's like hey 99 cents for a nintendo game a original N nintendo game uh like 2.99 for a super nintendo game and how about 4.99 for a nintendo 64 and you kind of adjust prices from there I don't know about you, but to me that sounds pretty fair. Um, at least the Switch service is going to be 20 bucks a year, or you can get onto a family plan with eight Switches at that point. Yeah, it's... I don't know, hopefully they end up making some radical changes to the UI stuff, because uh, Nintendo Switch firmware update 6.00 is coming soon. Yeah, so I don't know. Hopefully, we'll get, I guess, end up getting some more information for that. And hi, if you're just joining us, this is Quick Save here on UMKC Student Radio Station. I'm your host, Brent Landreth. Uh, Sega has announced that the original Valkyria Chronicles is coming to Switch this October. Right after the launch of Valkyria Chronicles 4. Uh, this is pretty cool. It came out on the Switch in Japan. You know, originally a PS3 game. It was ported to PC and PS4. Uh, it is a fine game. I like it a lot. I have not beaten it because I got stuck on one of the missions. Uh, if you've played it out there, uh, it is Chapter 7, the one where you have a... It's kind of like a boss fight, basically. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, let's see. There will be a deal on offer for existing owners of Akira Chronicles 4, giving them an additional 25% off. So, that's pretty cool. 25% uh, would be... Duh... A little over five dollars off, yeah. So, oh no, wait, twenty bucks? Oh, sorry, I completely misread that. Yeah, it would be five dollars off. So, you get it for fifteen if you are if you own Valkyria Chronicles Four, and that is pretty cool. Um, and then also, uh, Travis Strikes Again: No More Heroes will launch on the Nintendo Switch Switch exclusively, January twenty nineteen. 
pretty exciting stuff. Uh, it is just that No More Heroes game that kind of doesn't really look like a No More Heroes game. I'm not sure. It looks fine, I guess. Gameplay doesn't look too bad. I don't know. I'm not... I don't know. I'm not really... I'm, I don't have a reverence for No More Heroes. I haven't played it yet, but... Who knows? Maybe that game will end up being pretty good. And also, kind of adding... Um, so, Sony has come out to talk more about the Fortnite crossplay controversy. How, hey, if you have Fortnite on Switch, Xbox, PC, and mobile phone, all four of you can play together, but uh, you can only play with PC players on the PS4 version of Fortnite. Uh, Sony boss dismisses the co crossplay controversy, saying PlayStation is the best place to play. That is just a very ignorant and quite frankly daft statement to say about this whole thing whenever people are like clamoring for this crossplay, it like who who cares if you think PS PlayStation is the best place to play? No not everyone has a PlayStation. And not everyone's going to buy a PlayStation for freaking Fortnite of all things where you can play it on your phone. It's, I don't know, it's a completely dumb statement that it is unfortunate uh, that he had to kind of go that route. Uh, next up is this kind of big controversy surrounding Spider-Man PS4. Uh, fans are claiming that the game has gotten a graphical downgrade. There's a screenshot going around back in the launch, kind of like uh, the launch trailers, or uh, the gameplay trailers that have kind of came out a few months ago and comparing it to an in-game screenshot someone took uh, the most noticeable difference is that there is no longer a puddle there and like the lighting looks a bit worse and it is just ridiculous that people freaking out over the loss of a single puddle um, granted it yeah it looks like that there was a downgrade but that happens with every single game I don't know why it keeps being so surprising to some people, you know? And, yeah, like, you know, like the puddle, you know, that's not there anymore. Uh, Insomniac responded saying, it's just a change in puddle size. There's no downgrade at all. And also it takes place in a different weather condition and time of day. So, I don't know. It's it's just this completely ridiculous thing people are getting up in arms about. And I just don't understand why. It happens all the time with games. I don't know how people aren't used to it by now. And you know, with that story, I think that's going to be it for this week's edition of Quick Save here on UMKC Student Radio Station KRU. I have been your host, Brent Landreth, and hey, I will see you guys next time. See you then.